welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and um, Shargoths, I suppose, to uh, the Call of Cthulhu. Very happy to have with me this morning Mia Johnson, um, the um, entertainment editor at Fansided, joining me for this discussion on the Lovecraft Country series slash season finale. Not really sure, but Mia, thank you for joining me for this. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to, well, I'm honestly, I'm surprised that we've even made it to the season finale. <laughs> goodness i know it seems it seems like it was uh i don't know not that long ago that i was like oh i can't wait for the show to debut and then anticipating it and now it's like oh it's already past us like what is this what has this year been i don't even understand but yeah um there's a you know there's many things to talk about 10 episodes of lovecraft country a show that i know both of us were eagerly anticipating were um taking part in quite um gleefully but now that it's done there's so much that we have to kind of unpack and even though the the finale was less than 24 hours ago i still haven't really unpacked (laughs) everything um but i guess in order for for the purposes of our discussion let's kind of start at the beginning and i'll start with you when i just kind of first and foremost like when the show was announced when it was coming up what were you kind of hoping or expecting from it Mm -hmm. and then how did the the show kind of meet those needs or or not in a way i guess yeah yeah that's an interesting conversation or (laughs) topic that i've been brewing over because i (laughs) like since the finale i kind of seen it i'm like oh i think that the way that i came into thinking what the show is definitely different from what it came out to be um in the beginning i like 100 i was like this is going to be a horror show Every episode is going to be super scary. There's going to be <laughs> jump scares. And I honestly thought it was going to be filled with monsters as well. Um, for our coverage for fansided.com, we were like looking into, we interviewed you like for, you know, like what is Lovecraft and horror? Mm-hmm. What, you know, goes into all of that sci-fi stuff. And so the end result was kind of soft on that. <laughs> they kind of play it. <laughs> fast and loose with the Lovecraft title. Um, but I I still will say that it was in and of itself kind of a work of art because, you know, everything was beautifully done. They kind of played with genre like sci-fi. They played with history. They played with all these different themes. So my expectations weren't necessarily met, um, but I was still pleasantly surprised by what they had to, you know, put out every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was I, I wanted to I, I joined a, a discussion with uh, with you and some other fine folks last night a roundtable kind mm-hmm. of discussion uh you know recapping the the final episode in the show a bit and I tried to kind of separate myself a bit from what the book or the the novel offered and what the show offered but yeah. because here in the Cast of Cthulhu we're we're all about kind of the the, the adaptation whether it be literal or spiritual I'm going to lean more into that in this one yeah and, go ahead <laughs> and so I, I think yeah the Based on what the book laid out, I certainly, I certainly was was uh, expecting a you know that kind of Lovecraftian journey, but set in in the Jim Crow era of this idea of unknowing and unwilling protagonists kind of delving into historical and mythical truths that sort of break their concept of what their truth, their reality was, yeah. and um, the the show did you know. It was clear by, I think, episode three or four that it was going to veer wildly off track from what the book was doing. And I liked 
a lot of what they did and I didn't like a lot of what they did. We'll save that for a little bit later, but um, it certainly the um, it delved a lot deeper into the characters than the book did, which I really liked. I mean, in the sense of uh, what they did with Montrose and his past and giving him some depth and his relationship with Atticus was fleshed out a, a bit better. And um, it, and even um, the backstory on some of the villains, we, we learn a lot more about the Christina character who one of the changes from the book is the Christina character is a man, is a son right. in the book, which I, I, I will, once again, we'll also get to that in a little bit. So we, we learn more about that, which makes sense because we had 10 hour long episodes to spend time with these characters. And um, yeah, and, and you, you mentioned a good point, which leads into the next question of like these genre elements and what horrified us, what didn't, um, because the... The creatures, it's kind of light in the book. We have that, you know, that yeah. first that first chapter or so where we have the Shoggoth encounter in the woods, which the show fleshed out on in, a, I think, a really cool way. Oh, um, yeah. Kind of became this this uh, this little cabin in the woods sequence. Um, and uh, But the show, but the book also wasn't as focused on the magic element. Like, the magic was kind of a tool or a MacGuffin to get into the story <laughs> of these characters and their their fate and, and what they were kind of you know, the journey they were going on. Um, and, and so there there were elements where uh, some of the horror was played up, but certainly I think we were both in agreement. The scariest thing was the the real-life horror, the Jim Crow stuff, the racist stuff. Right. The um, I was talking to a, a friend who who's not really into these kind of things, but he started watching the show, and he was like, yeah, the scariest stuff is the racism. And it's like, yes, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> not only is that real and true, but also that's what the book was trying to do, and that's what the show, I think, did to a really, a really great degree. Um, what what are your thoughts on, on that sort of stuff? Yeah, as far as showing this compare and contrast of the horror, that was something like between, you know, like scary stuff and racism. That was something that I came in expecting to see in this show. And yeah, I think they did it really well and quite consistently too. Um, and from what I have like been hearing from other people and just their overall sentiments is kind of that, it feels like almost like a, a history lesson, either for people who don't know some of those things, um, even just like the Tulsa massacre. Like um, I was talking with my co-host Natalie about that, or um, no, actually I was talking to um, Dan, who was also part of our roundtable for that podcast, mm -hmm. and talking about things like you know we weren't honestly taught that in school. We you know these are things that you kind of just brush over that the history books are like yeah you know, not really history that, you know, a child needs to know or something like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it kind of teaches you something while you're, you know, watching or you're being entertained. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it, it shows just how real it is, just how scary these types of encounters can be. So I think on that front, they did a pretty good job. They kind of, you know, drove that message home. And of course, on top of everything, it's like, you know, kind of, I, well, it's weird to say, you know, in a year where this is super relevant. And then I think about it and I'm like, oh, well, it was relevant last year. and It was relevant <laughs> the year before, yeah. um, you know, when it comes to Black Lives Matter protest and police brutality, all that stuff is on the forefront of America's mind. Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of see it played out in comparison to like 1955 and you're like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> have things really changed? Like what's been going on? So 
Yeah, they. I, I, I think um, Misha Green definitely did an excellent job of kind of portraying that on screen. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's a credit to her and to the show that, um, that we have sequences such as, um, you know, angry white racist neighbors kind of outside the, you know, on the on the lawn of Letitia's uh, house with the mm-hmm. bricks tied to the the horns to try and kind of create this. Awful, yeah. like like audio dissonance to kind of unsettle them, or these racist police officers, and then the show also has sequences such as Sharoth showing up and slaughtering all these police officers, or a haunted house <laughs> sequence. That when these these genre horror things happen, it's almost kind of relief, like oh thank God this is the horror that I can deal with. <laughs> yeah. This is the cathartic stuff, which is like which is allowing for the release and the sort of. Um, you know, these are, these are the horrors I can handle and the show kind of almost offering to people like, I know this is terrible, um, but here's a challenge these characters can overcome that do overcome because unfortunately the reality of, um, racism is alive and well as much as today as it was back in in the Jim Crow era. But, um, I, I know tying in both of these questions, I, I was... I guess I was hoping for a little bit more tension and scares like that, that, that haunted sequence in the woods or, or not haunted, but that Shawgoth sequence in the woods was really tense and, and seemed like it's set up as a sort of like a, a great pilot episode for here's what you can expect. And then we go a long time without worrying about a Shawgoth or without kind of worrying yeah. about <laughs> these things, which isn't to say I wanted more creatures, but I wanted more, I wanted more fear of the, the, unknown at least in the sense of what's what's you know what's lurking in the dark or what's behind the corner which is maybe i don't want to say disingenuous but maybe i'm expecting the wrong thing for a show which is attempting to explore the real life horror of you know things that uh, that actually exist in real life but uh because i mean my favorite episode was probably the third one the the haunted house episode with letitia um and it was which is weird because it's kind of an anomaly in the book and the show in the sense of it's it's dealing explicitly with ghosts and and then kind of, you know, then kind of leaves it in the past. I guess you could say that, uh, you know, in the later episodes when they bring back the ancestors, it's kind of a, a ghostly thing. But it's a Haunted House episode movie is so good because it can kind of, you know, it's almost like a bottle episode where it contains everything to one location and can play with certain directorial uh, techniques with visual and sound to kind of unsettle you and scare you. Um, and then outside of that, it was just sort of like... Uh, um, well, we're back to the magic thing, which, as we discussed last night, like, what were the rules? What 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 are the guidelines yeah. of this universe? We weren't really sure. But within the confines of that haunted house and dealing with creatures or supernatural beings, because of years and years and years of horror movies and genre archetypes, we kind of already implicitly know what the rules of that are. And then once yeah. it steps outside, it's sort of like, so it, the magic requires a body sacrifice, but then who was the body in this? And why did Atticus <laughs> yeah. eat the meat that he carved oh, from Titus? Yeah. Like, you know, it was kind of, once we got outside of the, the scary elements, it was sort of, we had to kind of realize the rules of this world don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, that was the one thing that just consistently, like, I'll admit, kept me confused and having to go back and, like, rewatch a scene. Or I always brag that, like, by the end of an episode, I've got, like, two pages of notes, you know, like, front and back. (laughs) You know, I'm writing everything down. I'm like, okay, she said this about this protection spell. And 
Um, yeah, to me, I think that did it would have, if it were very clear, it would have helped ground the world a little bit more um, and just help to move the plot along and help to set up some of those, I guess you call them bigger payoffs. Like mm-hmm. I had mentioned, um, I don't know if it's Jaya or Gia when she was um, about to bring Christina and Atticus together because it was like, apparently their bodies need to be close <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those last minute rules that I think if they had mentioned it before, it would have been such an amazing payoff to be like, oh my gosh, Atticus and Christina's bodies need to be together, but they're not. Who is going to save them? <laughs> so just small little things like that. Um, I'm also thinking about the, um, the, I guess the stone that Christina had Ruby place in Lancaster's office. I honestly still don't know what that was about. <laughs> you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because I had completely even forgotten that that was an, an element yeah. of this story, yeah. Um, which, yeah, seems to, to to typify this problem I think the show had that it, it was on one hand wanted to include as much about the, the core universe uh, of the book, but didn't know what to do with it because those a lot of those elements are in the book, but the book is also kind of sparse. And I don't say that in a, a negative way, but... Um, the book is less concerned with the the physical actions of the people as much as the journey that they're on individually. Each each chapter is kind of like a Game of Thrones book in the sense of each chapter focuses on a different character. Um and kind of, you know, so it it's a loose kind of serial narrative building up to this kind of thing, but we we do spend the first um you know, the first huge chapter with, you know, as the first two episodes show with uh Tick, Letty and and Montrose and, and Uncle George. Um, and then there's a chapter dedicated just to Hippolyta, and then there's a chapter dedicated just to Ruby. And, you know, the the recurring thread is the Braithwaite family and these white magical racists who are trying to use these characters for their own nefarious purposes. So there's, like, elements from it, but the show doesn't seem to know what to do with them other than to kind of check off a list of, like, well, we got this one in here, we got this one in here. And it, it's, it kind of suffered... Um, to build any kind of momentum until the end, because we all talked last night about how the ending didn't feel like the ending. Like it kind of felt like, okay, where's where's the next episode going? Like <laughs> exactly. it, it ends kind of abruptly, and there's there's not too much of a dramatic buildup. Yeah, and I think that's why, and I think maybe this was the general consensus last night. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it we felt that you know the parts were kind of stronger than the whole thing where. <laughs> You know, watching episode one, you know, was an experience, and two is an experience, and three. Um, honestly, episode nine, I was really blown away, and I was consistently like, wow, every single ending, they had me hooked. I think they kind of wrapped it up fantastically. Uh, but then it was like, you know, by the time you got to the final episode, and it's like, okay, we're going to cap everything off. It just, yeah, it didn't have that huge payoff that you wanted. Uh, so maybe, I don't know if it's like following this, the chapters, you know, that's the, if that's how they were trying to model each episode off of, right? Because each episode basically felt like it was coming from the point of view of a specific character, even if there were like certain side things going on. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, I like each episode, each episode has its own style, 
has its own genre too, you know, kind of playing with that. But when, when I look at it, you know, from a bird's eye view, that's when to me things get tricky. Cause it was like the overall, this is what I want to say. The overall narrative was a little messy, but within every episode, I think the plot was fine. I think the, you know, how the conflict came up and then the resolution that worked out fine. It's <laughs> just not overall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious as to, um, to your, uh, to get your thoughts on specifically, and I guess we can take them as, as separately, or if you want to talk about them together, but the episodes meet me in Daegu and then I am because I, as a book reader, I'm super curious about how a non-book reader responded to those episodes because for Meet Me in Daegu, Jiha is an entire is an entire creation of the show. She is not even mentioned in the book at all. So we spend an entire episode delving into her character and um, her past with Tick. And then um, I am I was super curious how to how that was going to go because there is an entire chapter dedicated to Hippolyta mm-hmm. spending time in different in a different dimension in space, in reality, in whatever. And it's so kind of weird in the book that I was thinking, there's they're going to cut this out of the show. There's no way they're going yeah. to do it in the show. And it's very different in the show, but it still takes her on an arc and spends some time with her. But I'm, I'm wondering if your thoughts on if it was enough because she's kind of just there on the side and then all of a sudden there's this one episode of her. And even like in the finale... It's sort of, you know, it kind of builds us up as like, well, we don't know where she is. Montrose, we're going to need your blood for the ceremony. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I'm here. Like, oh, okay. Uh, without fanfare, just she sort of shows back up and just seems to indicate yeah. <laughs> once again, the show's like, not sure what to do with people, but we need to make sure they're all included in some way. Yeah. You know, um, for the Hippolyta episode specifically, I remember saying that it felt like half of the episode felt like a regular Lovecraft country episode. And then the back half was when they tried to get into the Hippolyta stuff. So I can kind of see them weaving those threads and trying to connect them. Um, now I'm a huge like sci-fi fan. I think I, I preference sci-fi over horror. Mm. And so when I saw that episode, to me, you know, and not having, I read like the first half of the book, but then I was like, okay, I want, I want everything to be a surprise to me when, Mm -hmm. and now (laughs) as a tangent, now that I see that the, you know, everything kind of deviated from the book anyway, I'm like, oh, maybe I could have finished. So yeah, when I got into Hippolyta's episode, I thought it was fun to play with her character because by that point I was like, okay, we're all, we're playing with the characters. We're putting the spotlight on them. We're putting the focus on them. Um, and she had her own lessons to learn. She had her own things to learn. Um, so I get that episode. I don't know if I would have any complaints more than I think I actually enjoyed it. Um, at least off the top of my head. And then the whole, um, meet me and Daegu episode. I actually, that one was also pretty interesting to me. And I really like that episode kind of as a little breather from the plot Mm -hmm. and i to me it reminded me of i don't know do you watch westworld at all i i have i stopped after season two not out of disinterest but just out of busyness basically (laughs) okay yeah it reminded me of i think several at least two episodes in season two 
where it's kind of like they went away from the main action in the park to focus on two other stories. So there was one that focused on the Native American tribe, and it was like oh, yeah. specific to one person. And then there was one episode that focused on like Shogun World as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it <clears throat> it's kind of like refreshing to see that. And I think the story was told really well with Gia, and I I really love that as well. <clears throat> Even if she wasn't a main character. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say I didn't really have too many problems with those episodes. They were kind of like a nice break <laughs> from the action. I think because the plot was getting so convoluted that I was like, okay, <laughs> I I think I need, you know, something else for a minute. Yeah. And I, this is a thought I, I didn't get out last night, but I, yeah, Meet Me in Daegu, I, I loved that episode and it's a great, and I, I, I'm trying to grapple with this thought of, do I think it's a, a great episode or do I think it would have been a great episode in a different show? Um, I, I know that Matt Ruff, when he wrote the novel, said his original concept was this idea of sort of the X-Files, but set in the Jim Crow era South, where, um, you know, uh, some black characters would be traveling across the country, kind of encountering these different not cases, but these different um, situations and circumstances, all of which both spoke to the, the literal and metaphorical monstrosities that, that they would encounter in this world. And so in that spirit, the episode kind of makes a bit more sense in that in that idea of here is another creature, being, entity, woman, who is herself a victim of the kind of oppressive systems that Tick found himself under, that uh, Letty and even American uh, black Americans found themselves under. Um, it's sort of... I was thinking about it as a as a Lovecraft fan, it's sort of like if you had a story written from the perspective of a Shoggoth, basically. Like if that Shoggoth had sentience and opinions like as a summoned creature, what would it what would its experience be like in the world, which I thought was super interesting. Um and I kind of wish it would have just stood alone as its own episode and not looped her back into the larger narrative. Because yeah. I like this idea of other cultures um, all kind of grappling with these oppressive racist institutions and systems. Um, But then, as you said, like, throwing her into the finale of like, well, we need to physically connect these people. Wait, (laughs) when was this laid down? And why don't we use the woman that has a bunch of, like, tails coming out of her to kind of use it? Like, Like, almost kind of like, okay, well, this episode was so great, we need to bring her back, but in what capacity? And then just kind of shoehorning her in here. Um, but I, I mean, that idea too of like, yeah, if there was some way that we could see, uh, these, these mythological creatures from different cultures, from European cultures, from African cultures, like that's, that's an idea that I think I, I would love to see if this show does have a season two yeah. and we do have, you know, the, uh, the safe Negro, uh, Negro travel guide as like a, as like a, 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 a structure basically like, well, let's oh, see yeah. what's going on here <laughs> and what's going on here, I think could, could kind of be a cool direction to take it. Yeah, that to me kind of like is almost a supernatural way, like supernatural, the TV show. And that's Mm. almost what I thought this was going to be like, too, Um, which, you know, I for some reason, like I'm, I'm thinking that supernatural leans in a little more heavily towards like the magic and the creatures I could be wrong, but that's my inclination is saying that. (laughs) 
you know, that's kind of what they do with the the monster of the week thing with that. Like, yeah, yeah of course there's a plot, but there's always going to be something that they, you know, kind of need to neutralize or, or you know, Sam and D need to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the the whole kind of, and I think that, I guess that goes back to, you know, how much horror did we need in this? I was like, I really thought when they had the Shoggoths in the first episode versus you know it took a really long time to build up to that type of stuff in the book i was really expecting them to you know hone in a little bit more into that and to you know figure out what does it mean to you know like they were raising shoggoths like christina helped (laughs) you know one give birth in like a barn or something i was like wow that's that's ridiculous oh right yeah (laughs) Yeah, that was something that happened. And then literally they had just disappeared. Um, the one thing that was kind of interesting was when they had um, Yahima, which was like the two-spirited indigenous person. Mm. And though I wouldn't really, you know, it's not necessarily a creature, but she kind of started out like a zombie. I thought that was really, really cool as well. Mm-hmm. And then they had Montrose kill her. <laughs> and so I was <laughs> oh, like, okay, where? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was oh. like, where are they, you know, going with this? Mm. So, you know, I, I would love, like, if there was a season two for them to, like, focus in more on that. Um, but my heart kind of tells me that, like, that just wouldn't be the route that they go down because it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't feel like the heart of the show and it doesn't kind of seem like what, at least what Misha's Green, Misha Green's vision for this whole series was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm debating between seeing or we're loving to see a, a an iteration of the second season where it is okay. We've traveled across America. Let's travel across the world now. I mean, the Safe yeah. Negro Travel Guide can be a thing like not just where are the safe places to go in America, but where are the safe places to go in London, in Dublin, and you know, kind of making yeah. this world tour because Letty, you know, at, at the end of the show, it's like. We have the magic now. You white people do not. So they are the ones that can encounter these things, that can overcome these things. Like, And it, it does, I guess, get away from the more intimate personal story of these characters. But I also like this idea of opening up to the world and becoming, as, I guess as an X-Files fan, becoming <laughs> that kind of thing of like, yeah, let's explore this mythology and, and just, um, or let's explore these creatures because... There's this idea, too, that, you know, the more specific story you tell, the more you realize there are, you know, capital U, capital T, universal truths that connect us all as people, which I think could come out in the show. And, you know, if it seems like a lot of people are watching the show, so it seems like maybe they'll have more budget for a second season. So why not take it on a global scale? Yeah. But also, yeah, would that would that get away from the heart of this story, which is rooted in so in such a quintessential American history of, you know, especially when it comes to who Tick is, who his ancestors are, and, you know, linked into um, a, a racist history, which is so quintessentially American. I, I was on another podcast, I was talking to Mark Harris, who is the, uh, he runs the, the, uh, the website blackhorrormovies.com, and this thought of like America certainly didn't invent racism, but we're certainly trying to perfect it. Um, <laughs> and, that, and and this is such a quintessentially American story that I'm wondering if it, if yeah if Misha Green's vision for it kind of gets lost if we take it on a global grand tour. I don't know. Yeah, 
yeah, it's like I yeah I I that is a really cool idea to see them do that. And yeah, sure, like when they went to um, Korea, yeah, you can say that that was them, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dipping into that territory. Even um, you know, thinking about the Hippolyta episode, and she's transported back to Paris in like the 1920s, and even then, you know kind of thinking about, you know, I'm away from America, but I'm still entertaining white audiences. So for her, it was like a different form of, you know, slavery, not the same, but almost in a way. Uh, so yeah, it's like those themes are there. I, yeah, it's just, <laughs> to me, it's hard to imagine them going that route, mm-hmm. but I, I will say, I think they just, they really did a great job of setting up these characters, setting up these stories that, I know we were all like just wanting to know more about what happens after. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to me, when you set up characters like this and you kind of end it where you end it, it does feel like you want to know more. Like you, we left Letty, you know, pregnant <laughs> with, <laughs> and now the, the father of her child is dead. So it's like, what, how does, what, what happens with that? How does she deal with that? Her, sister may or may not be dead or in a comatose state like (laughs) how do you help her get out of that montrose is gonna have to raise a grandchild will he be a good grandfather will he be redeemed uh d has a robotic arm like (laughs) there's so many things to play with that they you know left off with that I'm like, I feel like it would be a shame if they didn't want a season two, just because they like narratively, they, they set up so many breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. um, And I I really want, I would love for more of that to be kind of paid off. Yeah. It it definitely seems like it's a show that left us with more questions and answers, which is a a pretty, seems like an obvious tactic is like, well, give us a season two. We'll answer all (laughs) these things. Um, But also uh, I, I also would have liked to see something that could have stood on its own, which I guess you can say it does, except you have this huge lingering thread such as our surrogate into this world, our main character, Tick, is is dead at the end of it. I mean, do we all believe that he's going to stay dead if the show continues? No. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it, it does kind of seem like it's almost, um, it's not a perfect equivalency, but the end of... of <laughs> Twin Peaks season two, when we know that that uh, Agent Cooper is possessed by Bob, and it's just kind of like, wait, that's that's how this all ends. Like, there's still more to to do, and that's where I feel like we're at right now. Um, but I, I mean, at the same time, a lot of people seem to be watching it, and now, um, yeah. especially between this and Watchmen, HBO is doing a great job of putting stuff out there, which is making people aware of a history that, like, yeah, I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned about the Tulsa Massacre through Watchmen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I only learned about Juneteenth this year. This is not stuff which was made available or public information in, in my environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So they're putting these things at the forefront of the conversation, which I appreciate. And so, yeah, let's keep the conversation going in season two, I suppose. Um, and now I, I do want to, you know, because the consensus for our conversation last night seemed to be we we, you know problematic or not problematic but troublesome kind of messy but there were still things that we really liked about it so for you what were some things that you really loved or liked about what the show did and that could be large themes or individual moments or characters and then what were some things just like really did not connect with (laughs) 
Hmm, let's see. The things that I liked, I think I had a laundry list of things that I liked. Uh, just even at the like the lowest of level, it was a very believable show, right? Setting it up in the past, setting up in, in 1955. Now, I wasn't there, right? <laughs> you know, I, I would be born many decades later. But, you know, the costumes, I thought like Letitia's costumes or, or outfits were always fantastic. They went back in time. They had to do costumes for that. Um <laughs> They had to do costumes for the sci-fi world. I'm not a huge costume fan, but I'm like, I just had to shout them out for that. <laughs> uh, acting as well. I think the entire cast, Journey Smollett was awesome. Um, Jonathan Majors, mm. Corny B. Vance. You know, <laughs> like I, I can go on listing just how awesome they were at. You know, sometimes it's like the material you're given may not be the strongest. This was certainly strong. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, it, it always takes the actor as well to kind of just take it to the next level. And I think they certainly did that. Uh, Plot-wise of the show, then I think I, I just was always pleasantly surprised by what they had to offer. Like, even if the whole the whole of the show was, you know, a little bit weird or messy. It was just kind of something new and fresh. Like, it's like, when are you ever, you know, going to see somebody going through a quote unquote metamorphosis, <laughs> and just like, you know, uh, busting out of their old body and, and leaving it like a messy, you know, shell on the ground. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I've never seen anything like that before. And I hated it and it was gross, but I loved it at the same time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's this imaginative, you know, angle that they take. This, you know, it it it's it's totally something that is just really out there. Um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other things, but yeah, like the haunted house. It was a haunted house episode, but you know, when combined with the other elements of, gosh, you know, this weird guy who does these, you know, oddly racist. <laughs> surgeries and experiments that's like wow that's you know a fascinating way to look at these things um gosh i'm like i'm replaying like every episode in my mind now i'm like oh we've got like 10 episodes full <laughs> of stuff to talk about uh, so yeah there was a lot of overall great elements that i loved i think mostly just yes yeah, surprising things and then i would say the stuff that didn't really resonate with me again was just them as i said it playing fast and loose with the magic playing kind of fast and loose with those rules uh, at first i didn't know how i felt about the genre changes because it felt like every episode had its own sort of genre and there was nothing really it didn't feel like the show had found its own footing or its own voice maybe at least to me until the fourth episode mm. um but yeah, now that I've seen it as a whole, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It was at least in the midst of it kind of confusing because, you know, one day it's a haunted house and the next day it's Indiana Jones or the Goonies or whatever, you know, whatever you feel it is. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I do think at least they they found their identity by the end. So, yeah, that, that was good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, we're, we're, there's going to be a lot of overlap on, on the same thing, because I, I think, first and foremost, I have to give credit to Jonathan Majors, who I, you know, I first uh, saw him in Last Black Man in San Francisco, in which he was absolutely fantastic. I think he should have gotten an Oscar nomination, but if we <laughs> talked about our problems with the Oscars, we'd be here all day. 
Um, okay. <laughs> but he he did. I, I mean, everyone was great. Everyone was was pretty much uniformly great. But he he had to do a lot of heavy work in the sense of selling a lot of dialogue that on the page would kind of be like eh, this is a little bit clunky. But he made it he made it work very well. Um, and let's be honest. He's a very attractive man, so to see him in various states of undress is, is you know, we all we all enjoyed that. Um, and I had to interview him face to face. I was blushing. <laughs> well, at least over over Skype, you know, because of the pandemic and everything. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, I I envy you a little bit for that. Um, but so and, and all, I mean, it's 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 mostly Tick's story as well. So he does a lot of heavy lifting, and he shows a great range, especially in Meet Me, uh, in you know, Meet Me in Daegu, like. It starts out, we spent six episodes with this guy, and then he's kind of shitty when we first meet him in that one, and like, oh, I didn't expect this, and yet yeah. he goes through an arc in which we end up falling for him just as Jihad did, and so he did a great job, everyone did a great job. Um, I also loved how how much the show worked on validating characters that in a lot of pop culture and shows and TV and movies would not otherwise have their stories told. Um, not just in the sense of here is a, a genre show, which is entirely, almost entirely populated by black actors, but also in the little individual moments in that, in episode one, when Uncle George is with Hippolyta and he says like, you know, I want to see my wife and just, he wants, he validates her as a person or Letitia when she's driving in the car and just like, I'm Letitia fucking Lewis. And, (laughs) and then even when Montrose is in that ball, later and he's like he finally sort of like starts dancing it and is like it it seems like he's coming to terms with who he is and like it's the show which is sort of like no matter who you are you are valid and we embrace you and that's awesome oh yeah it also leads to some messy moments and i mean you mentioned the the uh, native american character who is introduced and then almost immediately killed off which i know misha green has apologized for because what she was trying to do was um basically explore this idea of how even of how systems create oppression and like it's a trickle down thing so montrose who at that point is very much still skeptical still wanting to get out of this like he he sees it as kind of a mercy that he's going to kill this woman or at least he's going to save his son from doing it so it's um and and you see that in the ruby and christina plot too of sort of um they have kind of an uncomfortably close relationship but you know living through the life that Ruby did and then seeing what it's like to live as a white woman, you see how she could be like, this is appealing to me. This magic and this horrible stuff is like, it's going to benefit me. So I I appreciate that, but it also did lead to some, to some clunky stuff, which my biggest problem with the show is it kind of, it makes the subtext, the text often in the sense of, A lot of the themes that the show is exploring, the people are telling you we're exploring. So it leads to some yeah. really on the nose moments that are just kind of like, okay, I get it. And and it's <laughs> and you know once again, Jiha and and uh, Tick are talking, and they even have a line about how like we're not monsters like people think we are. It's like I okay, I I get, <laughs> yes, we got that without you having to say it. And so yeah, it it's not a subtle show, which I on one hand appreciate, on the other hand, it makes it really clunky and messy. And mm-hmm. I I said this last night in the in the panel that it's the show was so good at really highlighting these emotional moments and the emotional truth, and not as good at 
okay, well, let's also have a, a narrative which has some logic and, and, and rules that make sense. And so, <laughs> exactly. um, but I think, yeah, we all also conceded last night that it's, it's better to have a show which swings for the fences and is ambitious instead of a watered down version. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, you take the good and you take the bad because one, you know, they, they kind of live together, especially in this source material and in the show. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, with a with a, an eye towards uh, wrapping up, the one the one final thing, I guess, is would you recommend this show to people or not and why or why not? Ooh, yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to preface this by saying I also had this conversation in regards to Game of Thrones mm. um, because and it'll make sense in a second because fantastic you know seven seasons give or take and season eight was the one where everyone was like um this was kind of a dumpster fire everyone (laughs) had their own opinion but for the most part they were like you know it it did not end as well as they wanted it to so they were like would you recommend someone watch game of thrones even though this last season was underwhelming and I was like, yes, because there were so many great moments. Like this was everyone's, you know, such a big, important show. Everyone was talking about it. Every night people were talking about it, tweeting about it, and Mm -hmm. talking about all these characters and so excited about, you know, when, you know, what happens to Joffrey and and all those things. So I say all of that to be like, yeah, we really did have a great experience watching this show. I don't think there was one moment where – people were so fed up that they were like, I'm going to leave or, you know, they were like, I'm not watching this anymore. You know, consistently, I think most people who started the show finished, you know, watching all 10 episodes and uh, it's spectacular too, because we, most people now love to binge watch stuff like Netflix created that culture. You want to watch all 10 (laughs) episodes over the weekend. So Mm -hmm. that's audience retention. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, it, there are so many things I have never seen before on TV. And I always go back to like the metamorphosis scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just all the creativity they bring to the table. So even if the ending is not necessarily satisfying, I, I think the whole journey that they went through, at least on episodes one through nine, completely outweighs the ending. So yes, I would recommend it you will learn something. I think you'll be talking about it. I think you'll love the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. <laughs> I, I think I would with caveats, like it'd be one of those things where like, depending <laughs> on, depending on who's asking me like, Hey, I want to watch something new. What would you recommend? I'd kind of have yeah. to gauge like, mm, would this person <laughs> like, if yeah. you're, if you're the kind of person who said like, you know, well, if Get Out was told from the perspective of a white person, it would have it wouldn't have even been a movie. Like, okay, you, I'm probably not going to recommend Lovecraft yeah. Country to you. Um, and I've even been curious as to how other Lovecraft fans have taken it because I'm part of the Facebook group, the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, and it's been very divisive in the sense of some people are like, no, this is great, and other people are like, this is an affront to H.P. Lovecraft, um, which actually oh, no. reminds me of, of the one one of the my biggest complaint as a Lovecraft fan about this was this is now a a show or, or a property which in which the Lovecraft name is reaching the widest audience it probably ever has in history, and on the one hand that's good, but on the other hand, as a a fan of his work and his themes, once again, 
recognizing he was a terrible person in many regards, if someone was like, cool, this is a great entryway, what else can I read from him, or is this a great example of Lovecraft, it'd be like, well, actually, no, I don't think it is. Yeah. I think the, the book does work on subverting a lot of his a lot of his themes and kind of taking a lot of what he was afraid of and turning it and shoving it back in his face. But by getting so bogged down in this sort of illogical, magical journey, it does lose a lot of those larger themes. And specifically, once again, the story is all about um, a family uh, that is basically told, this is your lot in life, this is your destiny. It, it's sort of this inescapable fate which a lot of Lovecraft protagonists encounter. And their story is about them taking part in it, overtaking it, and making their story their own. And in the show, it's instead, tick, you're going to die, you're going to be a sacrifice, all this kind of thing. And then what happens? Tick dies and becomes a sacrifice. So he doesn't yeah. retake the story. You have kind of a line at the end where uh, Letty's like, yeah, we have the magic now. But that's it's sort of too little too late like it's a like well show us that don't just tell us because what we're what yeah. we are grappling with now is our protagonist is dead um after believing for nine episodes like there's no way tick's gonna die he's gonna <laughs> overcome yeah. all this and then he doesn't um so that that's that's kind of a yeah the the thing that i'm that i'm mostly taking away from this and so i but i do have some friends who i wouldn't expect to watch the show have been uh-huh. and they're like, it's kind of funky. Uh, the racism stuff is really scary. I'm like, okay, good. We, yeah. <laughs> we can all agree on that. Um, but certainly, you know, it's not something like... A, I got my parents to watch Game of Thrones. I yeah. would not get them to watch Lovecraft Country, probably. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it, it's one of those shows where if you're, I think, if you're ready to have a conversation about representation, about... Mm-hmm. Um, about legitimate um horror in our country and where it's come from and where it's going then yeah uh but i i won't necessarily if you're like if you're necessarily just a sci-fi or horror fan i wouldn't say it right away because the show isn't as we've talked about isn't concerned just with like here's cool sci-fi and horror stuff it's like no here's 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 the rub people and if you're not ready to hear that you're probably not ready to engage with it with this show so yeah it to me is at the very least casual HBO viewing <laughs> on top of some of the, the, you know, the bigger conversations to have. So it's like on one hand, if you know, if you just want something to watch, but not to me, at least not necessarily something that's going to go too into genre where you're like, Oh, this isn't for me. You know, like some people are just like, I really don't like star Wars. I really don't like Marvel <laughs> movies, mm-hmm. even though now even Marvel is, is kind of genre crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's still kind of neutral, but yeah, there still is that, you know, you might even say it's kind of an entryway into those conversations. Um, but yeah, some people are still going to feel a certain type of way if they were to see this and maybe are denying the facts that, Oh, this isn't really what it's like or, or all that. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of fine line to tread. <laughs> yeah, but um, Mia, if uh, if if people have never encountered you uh, before online, and they're like, "Well, this woman is just delightful. I want to engage with her more." Where can people <laughs> find you, your stuff, and what fan side it has been doing with Lovecraft Country online? Yeah, you can head over to my Twitter. That's the best spot at Mia J Media. 
Um, that's where I tweet out all of my stuff. You can head to fansighted.com. That's where all of our Lovecraft country stuff lives. Um, <laughs> we've had, I'll just plug, we've had some great stuff. Fansighted.com slash entertainment. And then you'll find the navigation for all of our Lovecraft stuff. Um, we've had two fantastic writers, Kimberly Spivy, as well as Sabrina Reed, who has joined us over on Lovecraft Country Chronicles. And yeah, if you want to listen to our podcast and, you know, go through, we do, we reviewed all 10 episodes up to this point, <laughs> as well as, you know, we've got the podcast with Jim and we've got some more bonus episodes with, you know, just tons of awesome stuff to talk about. So that's basically wherever podcasts are, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, all those things. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great things going on and the podcast will live on even after you know now that the series is over the podcast will live on oh great okay well and yeah. and hopefully <laughs> hopefully then if for nothing else let's hope for a season two so that we can you can keep it going then <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh always easy enough to get in touch with uh, uh us here at cast of cthulhu whether you agree or disagree with anything that we just said uh movies of madness at gmail.com I am Nolan Fixes Teeth on Twitter, and also we are Cast Cthulhu on Twitter. On Facebook, we are um, Cthulhu Cast, so just kind of switch those two things and you should get it. Um, and of course, the podcast is available on castofcthulhu.podbean.com or really anywhere you get podcasts iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify. We're all over the place. So, um, Mia, thank you so much for uh, joining me for this recap and for this discussion. And uh, yeah, hopefully our, our paths will cross again in the future, maybe with season two, crossing fingers. I know. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having me. This was really fun. I'm glad I got more, you know, whenever I get more time to talk about Lovecraft Country, it's all the better. 